Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by Sharon McNamara. Auntie Sharon. Auntie Sharon. (laughs) Your favorite aunt. (laughs) Boston Connect Real Estate. We had a Nice conversation with Jeremy Devaney of On to Mortgage prior to the break, talking about interest rates and maybe is this maybe the new normal? Some people think that might be the case in terms of where interest rates are. We were very spoiled by low interest rates for a long time. But anyway, I'm sick of talking about interest rates. Yeah. I know you're sick of talking about interest rates. Yeah. So let's move on and talk about some other stuff. Okay. Are you sick of talking about inventory? I know we touched on it a bit. But yeah, it's so interesting too, <coughs> because as we were sitting here, I was, I just did a quick assess of where we were this year versus where we were last Last year okay. in inventory. Yeah. And I'm actually surprised because I don't, I have to try to figure this out now. Why does it seem like the inventory is so much lower right now than it was last year? In all reality, in Plymouth County, this time last year, there were 848 homes on the market and currently there are 1,022. There's more There's inventory, more inventory right, now. right now than there was last year. And there must be fewer buyers. No, I don't think that there are fewer buyers. Okay. There are definitely a lot of buyers out there. But I'm just trying to figure this out, why that seems, it seems so much slower right now when we have almost 200 different, there's yeah. 200 more homes on the market. Well, is it the type of homes that are on the market? Are That's there a lot to of look at, undesirable like homes or fixer-uppers? Or, of course, wow. there might have been a lot of fixer-uppers a year ago when people could sell anything for any amount of money with no inspection. Last year was a perfect time to yep. sell a fixer-upper. And I think that's yeah. a good thing, too. We talk, You talk about corrections and things like that in your industry, and I think that's one of the processes that I'm glad has come back. We're starting to see it a little bit again, is the buyers were forced not to do home inspections. Yeah. And I always said to our clients, and I said to my office, if your clients say they heard that this is the only way they can get their offer accepted is if they waive their home inspection. We have a form that they have to sign. This was your idea. We are not recommending this. Have your home inspection. If the seller doesn't have anything that's really that bad, why, what, what's the big deal? Because they're just afraid that's a way. That was one of the things. There were so many different tricks out there. I'll tell you about a couple of those because those are fun. Because the seller could so easily get someone else that would waive it. Exactly. And And then they don't have to worry. They don't have to deal with it. They don't have to cut the price a thousand dollars. They don't have to do two thousand dollars worth of repairs or whatever. Or more. We just recently, we have a buyer client right now that we're working with and we're selling their property and there was mold was found. Something like that is serious, but you're going to have to if you don't go forward with this buyer you're gonna you're gonna have to take care of it for the next yeah but there are a few other sort of larger items but we were able to negotiate twenty five thousand dollars that's a lot of money yeah it is and mold is a serious thing yeah but they also offered over asking so okay. it came back down. Okay. And that's why I'm always leery a little bit when I do see offers that are over asking and then they'll put in, oh, it has to appraise at or above the list price and things like that. I have to be very cautious when I'm looking at that because their hope is 
and this isn't in every instance. I'm actually working with one right now and it was very important to them to have that phrase in there. And I explained to the buyer's agent, this is the reason why I'm worried about it is because people put in offers, they're over asking and they just put in that phrase to appraise at or above. Then when the appraisal comes back, they expect the seller to come down on the price. I see, because they can't get the financing. Well, if in, it, in some instances yeah. they can't. So in that's why we're always looking. When I see Jeremy's name, I'm gonna. I'm happy that I'll see his name. I know he's doing a good job. I'm always looking at who the loan officer is. I'm always looking at what type of mortgage they're getting. What is their ratio of the mortgage that they're getting, especially if they're over asking. So for me, if I put a house on the market for $500,000 mm-hmm. and a buyer comes to us and offers five fifty. And then they throw in, oh, it has to appraise at or above asking. I always go back and say, nope, I'm not doing that. Yeah. This is what we said the house would appraise right. at 500. Right. You have to have the differential if it does not. And right. those okay. are the things I'm trying to verify. And what is their ratio of a mortgage? Are they putting, are they going for a 90% mortgage? Are they going for 95%? I mean, right. we're seeing people with 95% mortgages. Or yeah. are they putting yeah. 20 30, 40% down. So those are the people that if you are going over asking, I'm looking at what that ratio is because I know it won't appraise. So has the, has, have prices come down at all since last year? Like a little bit or, but not a lot. It did come down a little bit, but remember we're looking at six month cycles. So when I'm pricing a home, I'm looking at the last six months. Yeah. So if you go back when we were pricing a house, this is the market value. So let's just use that $500,000 number. Someone offers 600,000. They were, I'm not kidding, 300,000 over asking. Which we sets the whole market, exactly. all the comps higher. Exactly. Right? So now we're yeah. at 500, they accepted 600. Really the true market value of that house is 500 because the, and this is the other The problem. emotional value is 600. Exactly. Yeah. But that's the price that the appraisers are seeing when it sells. So now go six months ahead of that. And now the appraisers, if we're listing a house, I'm looking at that 600000 That's why the prices artificially grew right. and went up so fast. Right. Now people are probably starting to see it in their taxes as well for their property taxes because assessors use the last two years of the sold properties. So screwing themselves a little bit. To assess of, yeah. everybody. Yeah. So yeah. It, it screwed everybody. Right. Because now that $500,000 house emotionally is worth 600. If you have that four bedroom colonial too, it just bumped yours up too. So now if maybe now prices have come down a little, but still maybe still above, above what the, what the an appraiser was. might think is the actual value the of the home. Yeah. Okay. Well, the actual value is that 600. They're yeah. using that as that number. But yeah. what ended up happening was then we would list that house at $600,000 and people would give 650 or so what ended up happening too is people started, when the rates started going up, the buyers are like, all right, no longer am I giving you well over because you're priced already at that emotional uh, based on yeah, the comps. Right. So they weren't going over. We're starting to see them trickle up over. I haven't heard anything extravagant. Like over yeah, offers. Over okay. asking offers. So who are your clients right now? Do you have a lot of buyer clients and very few seller Tons, tons of buyers. One of the things I started doing on my show, and I don't know if Melissa will actually have the list with her, is, and I want to do this. Have you ever heard of those like fast dating things? Like you put speed dating. Speed dating. Yeah. 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 And 
So I want to do a speed dating event at my office where we have oh, yeah. <laughs> We have all of our we have buyers. have a picture there. of the home right next to them <laughs> on the table. All the pictures of our buyers with their pre-approval letter yeah. sitting there yeah. and then have the homeowners who want to sell their house yeah. and hey, we can get this done really quickly for you. We can save on the compensation because you know what? We're sort You're of, on both ends of the deal. You're on both ends yep. of the deal. Yeah. So I think it's a really good idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. Do but would any sellers show up or would it just be all buyers? Sellers might show up because there <laughs> yeah. are there is a group of sellers that don't want to go through the process of putting the house on the market and doing all that. Cleaning it out and doing all these XYZ repairs. Exactly. People get really, really stressed about what the process leading up to listing a home. Yes. Because it wants to have pride in their property and they yep. want it to look the best it can look and want to get the highest price yep. and, and all that. But I think a lot of it is pride and mm. there's going to be pictures publicly circulating of the home and they want it to look the best and they stress about, yep. oh, I need to do all these repairs first and I need to clean it out and it needs to mm-hmm. be like look perfect, perfect and all that stuff. Yeah. And some people just yeah. want their privacy. They don't want people open houses and everything. Yeah. One of our agents, she did this really nice at our flyer on Canva and she has 10 buyer clients that she's working with right now, all pre-approved. And she posted that all over Facebook and everything. And a couple people called her like, Hey, I am thinking about selling my house. Oh, okay. Yeah. Making it easy. So they don't have to actually list it. It's, they don't have to they're list going it. under agreement yeah. without going on the market. Yeah. But, yeah. and then the opposite side of that is if you put your house on the market, when we have low inventory, are you potentially going to get over asking, but you can't go into it thinking that you're right away going to get over asking because some of the properties don't, you, Yeah, you can't, that's what we started to see with sellers. It was actually funny. It was like, all right, this house is on the market for 500. It sold for 600. Well, if that house sold for 600 and they got a hundred thousand dollars over asking, then I should expect right. to get a hundred over right. asking. Right. No, it doesn't work that right. way. Everybody wants to keep up with the Joneses. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It that's really just is. human nature. Yeah. yeah. You think? Yeah, I guess yeah, so. I people, are spending, people are spending money that they don't have on things they don't need to impress people they don't know. <laughs> you just described the American people. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, things still moving very quickly then? For the most part, things are moving quickly if it's priced right. And that's the advice that I give clients when when we are pricing a house, try to get them out of that thought process of, oh, I heard that if this house sold for that, then that's what I should be on the market for. It doesn't work like that. You have to take the last six months and that's your range. I think I do a really good job detailed going over those numbers with people so they know where to price the house. That's what I say. My job is to educate you on the market. Your job is to really ultimately come up with that final price. I'll give you a range where I think you should be. And some people should be on the lower end based on my cops, comps and some should be on the higher end. And sometimes we can trickle a little bit over it if I want to test the market a little bit. Yeah. I hate to bring up interest rates again, but can you think of anyone, any of your clients that are maybe trying to sell or thinking of selling a home but are maybe hesitating because they're like, maybe they're, they want to upsize. Think about, I think of like young families right now that are having kids and want to upsize and they're in a two or 3% mortgage on a small home mm-hmm. and then looking to buy a colonial and mm-hmm. a, your mortgage at a higher interest rate and li- the struggles that they're going through internally about that. Can you think of anyone that, yeah, there's clients now that are going through that or are they second guessing it or are they, yeah. it just is what it is or. There's yeah. the people who definitely have to move if you have to move but what we're also seeing is a lot of people maybe putting additions on their homes yeah. as well and just staying in place so a friend of yours that you referred to me yeah. 17 years ago yeah. by the way yeah. they're in that process right now but when I was talking to them and I adore him by the way I adore both of <laughs> yeah. them but he yeah. we're going through the house and everything and he's when his the mortgage rate for them was seven and a half percent originally originally yeah. when they bought the house 17 years ago and he said there hasn't been a moment 
moment that I've lived in this house that I haven't loved it. He goes, and we were like tight at that time, the seven and a half. They refinanced into the wonderful rates that we have. But I think because he had that experience before that he's okay mm. in that experience again. Yeah. He yeah. understands that was an artificial Number. Well, he's in finance too, so yeah. he would understand that more than some other people. Yeah. But yeah. But that's the other thing too is one of the things that I loved sitting down with them and giving them options. And I said, the great, they love their house. They just maybe want a little bit more space. And I was like, well, have you thought about maybe using this property? Have you ever dreamed about being an investor? Would you want to rent this house? Yeah. Because they could afford to buy something else. Yeah. And they just looked at each other. Oh, like we could rent this. Mm. And then they got she got very emotional. Oh, (laughs) someone living in my house. Someone living in my house. Stop touching my stuff. Yeah. That's how I would be, I think. Yeah, Yeah. and then he was like, if I ever drove by and I saw something on the ground, I said, okay, so let's forget that. Yeah. (laughs) That is, you are not good candidates that. they know themselves. Yeah. But that is what I feel I find myself doing more of is educating people on... Again, I'm not a financial advisor yeah. by any means, but hey, if you, this is the opportunity for you to do this because you don't have to get the loan with 20% down to buy an investment property. So, because they're buy, they would be buying a primary yeah. residence. And yeah. Yeah. one of their goals is to be closer to water and things like that. And I said, you love this house. Have you thought about maybe keeping this house and buying something down the Cape or yeah. something like that? So they hadn't thought about those. Yeah. And that's what I love doing is sitting down. And that's what they said. That's why we came to you. Yeah. We just, you know, you'll be truthful. Yeah. yeah. Of course I will. Yeah. yeah I would so. hope so. Yeah. Anyone absolutely. running a good business would be truthful yeah. with their clients. Yeah. yeah. But and it isn't what? about just putting a sign out and getting, just having another listing. Yeah. Is it like, because inventory is so low that people that have no mortgage or could be looking to purchase a place with no mortgage on the other end, or maybe someone that has two properties and they're selling one, it, se- it almost seems like in those situations, like a great time to be a seller, right? Yeah. Because of low inventory, prices are still high. Mm-hmm. As you said, a lot of buyers um, which still surprises me, but yeah, there, there's like we talked about buying a home has never really been just purely a financial decision. It's a lifestyle decision. A lot oh. of people don't want to rent in a community. They want their own space. They want to mm-hmm. make it their own. They yeah. want to put roofs down, all that stuff. And that's, yeah. I'm working with, um, with one of your cousins right now and one of the twins. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she's newly engaged and they want to find, they want to find a home and everything. They've been looking for over a year and their wedding isn't until 2024, but they we're looking and it's just, it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, and she's very similar to you when we're looking at houses, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, ah, no. Yeah. Just like we talked about earlier, there doesn't seem like there's a lot of starter home opportunities. There are starter condos around. That's funny. Mary just but, had the conversation with her yesterday or the day yeah. before about that. And I think they went and looked at one yesterday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are there starter, mm-hmm. are there a lot of condo complex? Like I know in this immediate area on the South Shore, yeah. not a lot, but yeah. Oh, yeah. there are. Oh, there, okay. That's good. Isn't like an influx of inventory, but there's, I just had one in Rockland and we sold that the first weekend, you know, yeah, there's a bunch in different areas. Are there new construction condos going Mm -hmm. up? No, there's like a new apartment building. Every time I turn around, it seems like there's a new apartment complex somewhere, but what about new construction condos? So I have a 40 unit townhouse development that's coming on the market in Hanson. Where's that? Okay. So that will be coming on, which is great, especially if people need to be near the commuter rail or anything like that. So that's going to be in Hanson. And, but here's the thing, brand new construction, the price point is going to be 570. 
Okay. Yeah. For like how many square feet in that townhouse? It's probably, I want to say it's 19 oh. to 2,000. Okay. I don't have, we don't have the, we don't have everything yet. Okay. Okay. But I know that's coming up. And then I have a 92 lot subdivision in West Bridgewater and about 50 of those are duplexes. We're calling them attached homes. Okay. So, yeah. So we have those and we have, you know, single first floor. If you need a first floor bedroom, we're going to be building, I don't know, I just stumbled right there. We're going to be building the Meadowview, which is going to have all three bedrooms upstairs. And so we're going to, we have three different styles. It it just, it does seem like there's a lot of new construction right now. Is it just seem like that because there wasn't a lot like five years, five, eight years ago, there wasn't a lot like, or am I, I just, guess, am I just, just noticing just it no, more? I think you're Maybe. just noticing it more. Yeah. Because yeah. I've always had a lot of, I've always done a lot of new construction. So it seems like I've oh, okay. always had And maybe where I, I live in Marshfield, there's not as much land for mm-hmm. these new developments other than the apartment complex. There's not, but yeah. in other towns where I'm not driving through them every day, yeah. there's probably more land available yeah. for. Okay. And now like the MBTA, there's this new state. I don't know all the details about it, but they want all the towns to be putting aside land to build close to commuter rails and everything. Marshfield's one of the towns right now that's pushing back on that. Okay. Uh, there's three towns, I think, in Massachusetts, and I think Marshfield, I know Marshfield is one of them. Are pushing back on Pushing what? back on being required to oh. put that zoning in oh, place. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm out of the loop in that regard. Yeah, Jeremy knows about it. Jeremy, yeah. talk, Jeremy yeah. talked about it a little bit last week too with your dad. But we are seeing, I sit on the affordable housing committee for the town of Pembroke as well. And we're trying to make it easier for 40B developments, like so friendly 40Bs. So making it easier for the developers to come in and be able to do what they have to do because we know it is so expensive. Yeah. But even yeah. The, the 40B development, there's, they're still expensive. Yeah. Talk about new construction. Like what's the timeline? Like once... You know, there's a lot identified and that you mentioned you're in West Bridgewater and I think you said Hanson, right? How long before those become available? Are we talking like a year or is it? No, we have some that are available right right now. You can go to live. It's called Cochise Estates. So you go to live CochiseEstates.com. So Cochise is C-O-C-H-E. S-E, Cochise Estates. And we have all the different models and okay. everything in there. So we do have the, we have some attached ones that are available right now. And we do have single family properties that are available. So it's a mixture. Yeah. Of, it's 92 units total and it's a mixture of both. Okay. Yeah. I keep thinking about the cycle. Like it, maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe you're right. It just seems like there is a lot of new construction now. And I'm wondering if it's, there's a lot of demand right now, but is this going to be cyclical? There's so much new construction are they going to overbuild? And then there, no, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm and sure there's a lot of calculations that go into that about building the appropriate amounts. Yeah. And that's what we need is we do, it, it would be better if these were more lateral moves for people. So if we had the four bedroom colonial and it was like a lateral move, because that's the other thing I find myself, I'm meeting with people and I say to them, actually one was a neighbor of your father's a couple of years ago and they wanted to buy a condo in Pembroke, I mean in Marshfield. And I just was, going over some things with them and I was like it just doesn't make sense to me because you could, if you need first floor at some point you could make this room a first floor you currently don't okay. have a mortgage and then you would have a small mortgage okay. like it just didn't make sense to me and I don't think it makes sense for a lot of other people too especially like the older boomer generation and demographic they you can't do a lateral move Me- meaning what sell your house and buy new construction Oh, because older in life, you want 
something that doesn't need a lot of work. You're like sick of all the years of yeah. working on your home and you want something new that won't need work a long time, if not ever. Exactly. But and you're saying not from a price perspective, it's not realistic for people to sell mm-hmm. a 40 or 50 year old home and get into something new construction that's of a comparable size, but, exactly. but cheaper, right? But it has, like you said, all the bells and whistles. And then it also, you don't have, if I'd life, you don't have to worry about mowing the lawns and doing all that stuff. Yeah. People want a community mm-hmm. and pay a condo fee. And yep. there's some people that will don't want to pay a high condo fee, yep. but want the convenience mm-hmm. of not having to do all that upkeep yeah. on their own. And then this community that we have in West Bridgewater, it's a little bit different. We have very low fee, yeah. community fees, but you are responsible to take care of your own lawn okay. because there is a group of people that they still enjoy doing that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I know I had a client, they sold their house in Duxbury and they bought one of my, at the time it was new construction in Pembroke. They bought a condo and I love the wife was like, oh my gosh, he's out there. He's weeding all the time. He misses his garden. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was like, I have a lot of land at my house. If he wants to put in a garden at my house, he can put a garden at my house. So we have a very big garden at my house that he actually takes care of. And I get the tomatoes and the zucchini. Oh, wow. That actually worked out. It worked out perfectly. I think Um, that can be therapeutic for some people. He loves weeding. Weeding. He loves to weed. It's like satisfying. Yeah. For me, it was always overwhelming because it was like too many. And I, (laughs) there was too many of it. Remember my small plot of land in Norwell? That was lovely. I liked going out and weeding and mulching that because it was just so small and manageable. And then the acre property, I was like, oh, this is way too much. Oh, it's way too much. And the front hill, which is like a wooded area. It wasn't really never, had Mm -hmm. never had been landscaped or really never meant to be landscaped. But I always looked at it and I just could see the weeds. I could just, I could have just called him. I could have called him and went over there. Yeah, he could have had a quarter acre to weed right in my front hill. That would have been nice. We're just, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by Sharon McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate. We're taking a break. We'll come back, talk about some more housing stuff, and then stay tuned for Talk Real Estate uh, from 10 to 11. I will stay on and join if you'd like me to. All right, taking a quick break. We'll be right back. Did you know that there are almost 10,000 mutual funds out there? Not to mention almost 2,000 ETFs. And what's an ETF? Given these overwhelming numbers, how do you go about selecting what's appropriate? Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. If you're ready to let a professional worry about your investments, visit us at McNamaraFinancial.com. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. By the way, I always forget to give a little plug for our podcast. You can, we are on Amazon Prime now, Spotify, and Apple Music. Whoa, Amazon Prime. Amazon hey Prime. Now. Wow. Yeah, we have great. The statistics are pretty good. We have pretty good listenership all That's across great. the world. But check out McNamara on Money on your pod preferred podcast app if you miss any of our shows. Joined this morning by Sharon McNamara with Boston Connect Real Estate and her show Talk Real Estate comes on right after our show. Yes, it does. Saturday morning. So in about 30 minutes, we'll switch. I don't know if we're going to switch chairs. Probably we'll switch chairs and then we don't have to switch chairs. (laughs) No one can see us. I I can stay in the same chair. (laughs) It feels weird being in that chair hosting the show, but all right, up to you. All right. We've got about 25, 30 minutes. So we, I don't know if you want to talk about, we could talk about renting versus buying, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Or we could talk about... Do you, need, you don't ask for callers? Is that a reason for that? We can take callers. We air the show in Lowell also. Oh, so I see. So that's, that's why, why we don't give out the call. We give out the call-in number during the break. But 781-837-4900 if you're listening in <laughs> Marshfield. Tim just looking at me like... Tim gives out the number during the breaks, don't you? 
I think he does. Tim's like, Sharon. Yes, I do. 781-837-4900. If you would love to contribute to the live McNamara on Money program with Alyssa and Sharon McNamara, whose show is coming up at 10 o'clock just after the news. Yeah, awesome. I just figured I like to just put out there other questions that people want to ask us if we're just so, we have so many things we can talk about. You can change the direction. It's okay. Yes, absolutely. We are pretty easy to adjust. Yeah, you can, we can talk about renting versus buying, but the thing with renting versus buying right now is it's switching up a little bit because it's more difficult to buy right now because of the rates, right? And if people don't have money saved and things like that, I think that's why it's so important to the program that you do for the high school, I think is so important. Let's talk about that. Keep telling me that because it's so much work and stress. For I me. know it is so much work for you, and but I know it's I know it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and I think every school should have something like that because I think that people just get into real life and they don't understand how important saving is. Yeah, for everything, and then overextending themselves by buying an Audi when you're 22 years old. I know, know, and that's like exactly what we talk about during the money fair, which was just a couple of weeks, just a couple of weeks ago in Marshfield. And it is, it's so much that we, this is our 10th year wow. that we did it. Me and Ashley Stanford was one yep. of the teacher at the high school. We, and we have a lot of people helping us, not certainly not just me and her, but a lot of the teachers were helpful. And my coworker, Amy Smith, really helpful. Mary Beth, I, it's, yeah, it, I one of the things that a lot of the students say, first of all, we do force them, like I do an opening session and we have sessions at the beginning before they go and they spend their money. And one of the things that we, that we force them to do is to allocate money first to savings. So we make them set a, we give them a line to, to save money. Just I give them targets for this is how much you should have in cash. This is an emergency mm-hmm. reserves. This is why you have it. Stuff comes up in life, et cetera, et cetera. So we force them to build savings right from the start. And we also force them to have to set another goal for themselves in terms of saving for something else. And it could be a down payment on a home or a condo, or it could be a trip, or it could be a wedding or a wedding dress or somebody. Mm-hmm. One of them one of them had a, set a goal to buy a piece of farmland or something to run an organic farm or something oh, like really? that. There were some really <laughs> creative things. Uh-huh. Uh, and anyway, we force them to say, or to think of something that costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And the idea is like, okay, instead of buying it now with credit and paying interest, yep. save and mm-hmm. calculate okay, if I'm saving 100 or 200 a month, how long is it going to take me before I can buy that for cash? Mm. And so I, I think it's really important. I make them go through those calculations themselves. Yeah. It could be easy to save 50 bucks a month, but if this costs $3,000, how long is that going to take you? Mm. And then maybe give them some motivation to you know, maybe allocate a little more to that. And then you can have your gratification sooner. And so that's important. So we force we force savings habits on them during that exercise. And then whatever is left. And then mm-hmm. obviously 401k, we give them targets for how much to allocate to their 401k and they can make some decisions and then they figure out that maybe they can't afford Mm -hmm. what they thought they could. And a lot of them say at the end, we do little interviews and we ask them, um, you know, what did you learn? What surprised you? And a lot of them, a lot of them say that life is more expensive than I thought it was. Yeah. Well, you can do like the phone, like the, you're not a mom and dad's phone anymore, right? They buy utilities. They take out, yeah, they, they have their own cell phone. They Mm -hmm. need utilities for their home or for their apartment. They cable car insurance. $9 a month. One of them was so cute. I, at the end said, I was asking him like what he learned, what surprised you? No, he was just, he was talking about, he was just sort of talking through his day and he said, wow, I had no idea how expensive electric was. He's, my dad keeps telling me to turn off the light when I leave the room and I didn't, <laughs> and now I'm going to turn off the light when I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm not using it. 
And it was just stuff like that. Like they, and even, even a $50,000, $60,000 a year salary, which could be pretty good for someone coming mm-hmm. up right out of school and the starter salary, like they learn that it doesn't go as far as they think it's going to go when they spend on in all the different things they need to spend money on when you're a real adult. Yeah. And, and so, that's the important that's thing too, what, yeah. is like that saving piece is so important because when you go to buy a house, you want to have yourself in a position where, especially now with multiple offers on properties, those are the things we're looking at. Like how much money do you have down? There are some people right. that will, that want, have that dream of home ownership, but they don't have the thousand dollar deposit that goes with the offer, never mind mm. the other percentage that they need. Right. A lot of people think they need twenty percent down to buy a house. You don't, and there are loan products out there for three percent. Yeah, but if you put three percent down on your offer, and I have multiple offers, I'm looking at who's risking the most here right. that won't walk away. We've had situations where people don't know how to write checks. <laughs> Someone at the money fair, I get a lot of volunteer, we had about 60 volunteers this year. I get a lot of volunteers from banks in the area because I think many of the banks, they have their employees do, you know, community service hours and things like that. So the people that work at banks are always happy to volunteer for the fair. And one of them actually said to me, hey, next year, can we make them fill out a check? Yeah. Because they can't believe how many... Don't Kids know how to, don't know how to fill out a check. They do yeah. not know how to yeah. fill out checks. And right, yeah, that's interesting that you yeah. said that. Somebody had come. Well, in money to, moves electronically so frequently these days. Venmo and PayPal. Some and, people don't even yeah. have checks. Yeah. So they don't even have checks, which is another problem that we have. I remember what they're not Venmoing the deposit. Yeah, no, they can't Venmo. Yeah. They mean the deposit. Actually, we just took on a new product. Give it a couple years. It'll be Apple Cash before it's you know. It's a yeah. deposit link is what we're using now. Okay. So we just initiated that into our office in the last month or so. Yeah. So people can send us deposits electronically but it's still, there are times when you need a check. Yeah. <laughs> so know how to fill Which it out. Which still actually does surprise me. I'm like, I have to write a check for this bill? What is this? Mark <laughs> still does his bills that way. I'm like, Mark, why? Like he said to me the other day, hey, do you have our checks? And I was like, because I keep them in my office. And I was like, what are you doing? He's paying a bill. And I was like, Mark, just do it online. Do it yeah. right through the bank. Yeah. And I really have checks. So if I'm giving somebody like a graduation present or something, yeah, like I give them a little that's check or something. Yeah. But yeah. that's what we're doing. So with the rent, the other thing too, it's really difficult too, because if you're not saving, even to get into a rental, if you need first, last and security. Oh, yeah. So that's just to get into the yeah. house. And I think know, some of them require six months. Show me proof that you have six months worth of your rent in the bank. I they're mean, they're checking some, your credit score. Yeah, they're checking all of that. Can be picky because there's the rental market is... Mm-hmm. from what I understand, tight and maybe as tight as the real estate market. And the, mm-hmm. the people that are renting homes can afford to be, mm-hmm. and apartments can afford to be strict with who they're renting to and good for them. Yeah, That's good for them. It protects them. One of the things next to my office, a Shepherd's Funeral Home used to be there and it was purchased by Bristol Development. They're doing a big development in Pembroke on the Country Club. And I don't know how many units they have. It's going to be a 55 plus development. But... Um, the town allowed them to take the 40B portion of that and put it somewhere else in town. So they purchased Shepherds. So they're right now proposed to do 66 apartments right next door to us, right in Pembroke Center, which will be nice for them, 55 plus. Okay. Which I think might help if we have more of those types of things, Mm. that that will free up some of the inventory. Because I feel like there was always this mindset that you had to own your own house. It was the American dream, right? You buy, you you pay off the mortgage, you burn the mortgage in the fireplace. it's changing a little though. Yeah, Yeah. I do too. Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of. Um, But the mindset of that generation was to definitely do that. But I do think having, you know, 
and Jeremy said this earlier, is a big portion of people have all of their equity in their house, or maybe you had said that, mm-hmm. yeah. in their home. So now they're just living on their social security and look at the price of food. How yeah. do you feed, how do you feed your family like with the prices right now? So the people, this 55 plus, I think that will help. So maybe those people who are in those homes will sell their homes. They'll take that equity. Maybe they're going to come see you. going to invest that mm-hmm. and live off that money, mm-hmm. live off that yeah. equity and rent. Yeah. And you have a nice apartment that's brand new, right in Pembroke Center, walkability. No, doing no new- maintenance, no yard exactly. work. Something breaks, you call someone. And I think yes. there's a, there are conveniences associated with renting. 100%. Yep. And then we have the new community center coming on and the Council on Aging will be there. So there'll be a lot of things to yep. do there. And maybe you have a lot more money. Maybe you're going to rent here and maybe you can then afford to buy something down south. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's 66 units. I'm really hoping that's going to free up some of the inventory. Yeah, I've had some interesting conversations lately with people that are more open to the idea of renting at different stages in their life, actually. Mm -hmm. Think of some older retiree clients that recognize the conveniences associated with it and the ability Mm -hmm. to move around if their family and their grandkids move around Mm -hmm. and accessibility to to the equity that was in their property. And then if they travel, they're not worried about who's going to take care of my home. I'm traveling. There's just, there's a lot that they don't have to worry about. I can also think of some conversations I've had recently with people um, like in their 40s and early 50s, for example, and this one couple that they were thinking about, this was closer to the top of the market where they wanted, they were thinking about moving their kids were like getting to be college age and they knew that once the kids were out of college, they were going to be moving somewhere else mm-hmm. in the country. Open to rent. Why don't we sell now? Get a great price. Rent for a little while. Be able to pay college tuition because cost of renting is less for them yep. than cost of paying a mortgage and upkeep on the property. Mm-hmm. Freed up cash flow and then gives them the flexibility to go wherever they want to go after yeah. that. And then I can also think of another conversation I had very recently with someone. They happen to live out in California where the prices are even higher than they are here, but they were on the younger side and just, they were actually did own a property, but then ended up selling it and renting because they were just like, you know what? We like to move around. We like to, they didn't have kids. So, you know, easier for them to move around, but they just liked being able to go where the wind Mm -hmm. blows them sort of thing. And and I, so I I think that people are a little bit more open to rent. I think is great. There's a lot, there are things that stresses associated with home ownership that can be, can be great financially long-term, but there, there are pros and cons. So I think it's nice that seems to be changing a little and I think that it's great like I said there's 66 units that are going next to us and I know that the investors hopefully this is going to be the pace of how they're going to be doing things because then that will definitely free up some of the homes for the people who want homes maybe they just starting a family or doing whatever yeah so that will get the ketchup out of the bottle so to speak and it will move on because then what will happen is, so if the people in the four bedroom colonials decide to sell and they take their equity, give it to you and they can do all that. I love that whole idea about traveling and all that. I hadn't even thought about that in their rental. Now the person that's in the smaller ranch or the smaller Cape can go up to the colonial. Mm -hmm. Now the first time home buyers will have the Cape Cape in that. 
one of the things too is we're seeing that demographic of that small ranch or the small cape. There's actually two demographics that are actually looking for it, which is making it even that more difficult. It is the person who wants to right size from the big colonial down. And the first time home buyers. And the first time home buyers. Yeah. So we have two demographics fighting for the same exact property. And there are fewer properties like that in this area of the world. It right? really There's is. way more colonials on tiny plots of land. And now. who's going to yeah. win that battle? Somebody yeah. who just sold the four bedroom colonial with a ton of equity and, cash. and cash or the first time home buyer who's just trying to start out. I do think it's this is a challenging time for first time home buyers. And we we're talking about renting versus buying. I think renting can make sense and people are younger people, first time mm-hmm. home buyers are forced into that really because yeah. they don't have the cash down. But it's unfortunate now that rents are rents are high now, right? It's a tight rental market. Rents have come up. So for those hoping to be first-time home buyers that are now renting, what's, I think, difficult for them is being able to save enough Mm -hmm. to, number one, put a down payment on a property, Mm -hmm. and number two, save fast enough so that property doesn't just get more and more out of reach because if the property they want is appreciating faster than their ability to save a down payment for it, it's just going to get harder and harder for them, which I think that's really the demographic that might be struggling now. The, the, um, yeah, and the younger, and rents aren't cheap. They're not. Yeah. Casey, she lives in the South End, and she has that for the convenience. And she's a third year attorney now, and she works at the Peru, so she needs that convenience because she's doing a lot of hours. So she wants mm-hmm. that convenience of being in the city. Yeah. But the rent is astronomical. It's like how, even though you're making a really good salary, you're paying this rent. How are you saving? And let's talk about this for a minute: the weddings right now. Oh my gosh. Not even the weddings. I'm sorry. The 13th birthday parties. Oh, really? That are being thrown. <laughs> yes. It, I was just talking to a friend about it. I was like, so, wow, people are setting the bar pretty high yeah. for stuff like this. Well, yeah. so the weddings, I'm yeah. looking at all these weddings. And again, my daughter did get married in Greece. So that was bougie or whatever. It was, so, yeah. <laughs> look at people, honestly, the expense of her wedding was a lot less. Well, than, very small. Destination weddings can be inexpensive because yes. they're smaller. Yeah. Usually. It's 57 yeah. people. And we did we had catamaran rides and yeah. we did everything. And it was, really nice and it was and it was a perfect time for that because a lot of Casey and Dustin's friends they had been working from home for two years and it was like okay COVID's over type thing so they were yeah yeah Yeah. a lot of them did like Portugal and did different trips and stuff along with it but one of the things I'm seeing is these bachelorette parties and you're going to it's not just one night it's like a three-day weekend yeah yeah. in Fort Lauderdale Nashville or yeah yeah Fort Lauderdale Nashville we're seeing them all over the place and just the cost that associated with all that and then being in the wedding one of the things I bought the girls bridesmaid dresses so I just wanted to do that for them because I knew it was an expense and everything yeah. for everyone to get over there you're buying the dresses the shoes and all this other yeah, stuff yeah. oh I uh, know I know, I see it. It is crazy. We have, actually, it's been a couple of years since we, I used to do a show once a year called the Here Comes the Bride and the Bills. We did it for oh, a couple really? of years. <laughs> and actually, we haven't done one in a little while. We'll have, to, we'll have to bring that back. Of course, weddings were a little bit different in the last couple of years than um, yeah. before, but. Yeah, so what can you think yeah. about what other bills? Like, it's, it's just so much. Just the whole, but the whole point is how expensive oh, you weddings, know, weddings uh, can be or have become or, and we have, we actually talked a lot about the different destination weddings yeah. and how it sounds very expensive, but actually for the family hosting, it can be less expensive. It's a smaller group of people that will yeah. attend and all that stuff. But but yeah, we should bring that show back. 
Yeah. Anyway, we're off track a little bit. No, um, that's okay. <laughs> all right, we've got about 10 minutes left. Mm-hmm. A little bit about renting versus buying. Do you think anything, I guess anything else on, on that, renting versus buying? It's No, I think that, like I said, I think that there are definitely a lot of benefits to renting. It shouldn't be voodoo. It's, oh, I rent. It shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not. I had a conversation with a young with a young client recently in his 20s, makes pretty good money, reasonable expenses, no kids, and... One, every once in a while, I'll come across someone on the young side that just doesn't, they don't want to have a mortgage ever. Yeah. And it, and this particular person, again, single, no kids, makes good money, keeps his expenses real low. He probably has an ability to position him, to save hard enough to position himself to be mortgage free. Well, he's probably not looking at a four bedroom colonial, but but some condo or a smaller home or something like that in 10 years, the mm-hmm. time he's early to mid thirties. And that, that's pretty awesome. There, there's a small subset of people of that generation that, that can mm-hmm. envision that and probably can pull it off yeah. unless it changes. Let me ask you this. What is your What are your thoughts <clears throat> with people with that younger generation is thinking about buying a house or a condo and retirement? Do you think that they should save more now to get into that home and then they can catch up with retirement? Or do you say, no, just keep on doing a certain amount in your retirement and um, take longer to save? Yeah, it all depends. I like I like for them to be at least putting eight or 10% into retirement. I understand the sacrifice or the importance of being able to save cash for a mm-hmm. first time home if that's important to them. I wouldn't, I might not advise them co- to go down as low as like 3% or 5% in the 401k. Nice for them mm-hmm. to be able to, but there might be some people that could, that are putting 15% in their 401k and maybe it's okay to drop that down to eight or 10% so you can free up some money to save for real estate. I think that's fine, but I think within reason would prefer them not to eliminate the savings and I would prefer it to be something in the 8% range or yeah, not mm-hmm. drop it too much. Yeah. Especially early in life, you don't want to forego those early years of it's really important to start building a retirement account early in life because markets are only beneficial. I shouldn't say only, but the markets are more potential earnings and the markets are more beneficial to you if you have a larger amount of money, right? Because 8% of 100,000 is more money than 8% of 10,000, right? So, Mm -hmm. So it's important early in life, number one, to build savings habits, but number two, to start getting your assets to a size where appreciation and the markets translates to a sizable amount of money. It's great to do that early in life because then later in life, it gives you some flexibility to, oh, my kids are going to college. Now I'm going to cut way back or stop because my assets are already sizable Mm -hmm. enough. I'm not stressed if I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. But I hate to see people on the very young side stopping or significantly reducing retirement contributions. Mm-hmm. Hi, Melissa. Hi. I'm here. <laughs> we had a little guest the last few minutes, <laughs> Melissa Wallace with Boston Connect Real Estate, getting ready for talk real estate right afterwards. But yep. hello, how are Hi, you? Thanks. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Melissa <laughs> in the flesh. Hello, Hi. Melissa. Oh my gosh, I've never met you in I real know, life. I know, it's great to see Good you. Good to see yeah. you. That's wow, great. funny. Wow, what a um, reunion. Yeah. <laughs> Let me All ask right, you this too. I just, I turned into host here. Did you see how I just switched that? Now yeah, I'm stop you. it. I still have Careful, six, Alyssa. I, she's dangerous. Stop Watch it. out. I still have <laughs> six minutes. I know. But I wanted to, to get your yeah. impression on this or what your thoughts are on this. And one of the things I'm hearing a lot of is, okay, your child is going to college and wherever that may be, let's just even just say Bridgewater. And what the parents are doing is taking money out of retirement and helping the child, like buying yeah. that first house. You know, oh, not with tuition? You mean taking money out of retirement? Yeah, taking money out for real estate, out for okay. real estate okay. and buying 
a property mm-hmm. near that home. Yeah, I mean, near that school or university. So like something with like maybe three bedrooms. So then they can rent it to two other people. Oh, so okay. the student, their student is in it and then two other students can rent. Okay. And then that's paying the mortgage. Then after the fact, the child would have uh-huh. something as an asset. Well, oh, okay. If they're taking it out of like literally like an IRA or a 401k and paying a whole bunch of taxes associated with that, maybe yeah. that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You're talking about they're taking it out of retirement, meaning like an account that they had previously earmarked for retirement, but it's more tax efficient to access the money, what yeah. we call that a non-qualified account. That Then that might make sense mm-hmm. if they're able to cover the expenses with the rental income. Of course, the rental market's great now, but... It, but but will it always be right? Yeah. There's some well, risks associated with that. Maybe. Yep. I don't necessarily. Well, she it, just it, shot me down. Yeah, maybe. The, yeah, may, yeah, yeah. We'll see, Sharon. <laughs> my, my, my answer is always it depends. Yeah. It, it's like an, it's I like take the, an attorney stance. Sorry. Classic <laughs> financial advisor answer as well. But mm-hmm. I was just about to say it depends on the numbers. Yeah, I guess it, depen- it, it, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> it depends. Like if you're taking half a million out of your million dollar four hundred one k and yeah. paying a whole bunch of taxes to do that, maybe that doesn't make sense. But like I said, if you're taking a hundred grand out of a non-qualified account or something and the rents are covering the mortgage and the property is expected to appreciate. Yeah, sure. That could make some sense. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Can I take a minute just to plug yes. this? And yeah. that's one of the things I was going to do too. Hey, at the end of your show, could you tell people what my show is going to be about? Can we talk about that? <laughs> what, <laughs> like to, what is our show going can to you, Can you stay tuned? Because Talk Real Estate Roundtable is on next. That's what I was hoping that you would do for us. Sure. She's like, all right, you just I certainly on Okay. Your time is your time slot has changed so much. I actually yeah. lost track of was is your show right after hours. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, now I know. But this Tuesday evening, which is April 11th from 5 to 7 p.m., Boston Connect Real Estate is going to be hosting after hours event for the Pembroke Chamber of Commerce. So it's a slow down a little bit during COVID, but everybody is trying to ramp that back up. Of course, we know Peter Brown from Tiny and Sons. He is the chair of the organization and we're going to be doing that Tuesday night, which is great because we also have our show Tuesday night. So if you are a current member of our chamber or if you want to become one that night, you can easily do that. $125, $25 goes to the scholarship fund for Pembroke and $100 for the membership. We are going to be bringing people on to, on air just to discuss their business. So again, it is going to be April 11th, which is next Tuesday from 5 to 7. I hope that you can join us. It's for members and non-members feel free to come. Alrighty. We have two minutes left. That was a great show, but again, don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. We're continuing on don't uh, touch that Talk dial. Real Estate with Sharon <laughs> McNamara. Am I invited? Am I staying? Yeah, for you're the next staying. So we'll just Maybe we'll we'll talk continue about that. on here after the break, but I guess I'll wrap up and thank Sharon McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate. You got a small thank you, Melissa. You were only here for a few minutes. So <laughs> I make a great Sharon entrance gets, at the end. Sharon gets more credit yeah. for today, but you can find out more about them at bostonconnect.com. Mm-hmm. And the number to the office is 781-826-8000. Awesome. Yeah. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You can find out more about me at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com for our Merrimack Valley office. Also check out our podcast, McNamara on Money, now on Amazon Prime wow, and big Spotify time. and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend, but actually don't go anywhere because yeah. we'll be right yeah. back. Don't go anywhere. Keep listening. Have a good weekend. (laughs) Bye-bye.